All right, well, good morning. How you guys doing? Hey, good. It's good to see you. I'm doing all right. Um, it almost got really bad for me, but the Steelers pulled it off last night, so I'm feeling good. So it's good to see you guys this morning. I know you guys got a big game later, so good luck with that. But uh, hey, I am excited as we're here together hanging out as we continue in our series called Do Work. Uh, we're in week two of it, and we're looking at this series because work is important. Work is a big part of our lives. In fact, we spend about 60% of our waking hours at and doing work in our lives. And what's crazy is, according to research, about 80% of us are dissatisfied at work. And that's a problem. And that's why it's so important to look at this topic because I don't think God intended work to be this way. I think God intended it to be something more. And so that's actually why we're doing this series. The goal of this series is to help us to love our jobs because Jesus came to give us life. And that includes at the workplace. And last week, our lead pastor, Ben, kicked off this series by talking about this idea of loving Mondays and enjoying getting up to go to work. And the way we do that is by realizing that we work for God and not for man. And it was a great message. And today... I want to talk to you about this idea that at work, uh, dealing with stress. How do we manage stress? And by show of hands, how many of you guys get stressed out at work? All right, pretty much everybody. That's good. I agree. Yeah, work can be stressful. I get stressed out at work. I love being a pastor. It's so much fun. But there's definitely moments in my life at my job that it can become very, very stressful, like the 2010 middle school missions trip to Green Bay. Uh, this was going to be a great week. We're going to go up to Green Bay, serve for the week, uh, just love people like Jesus loved them. But man, this week had some doozy of a moment that, that just caused so much stress in my life. Uh, for one thing, what happened was one of our students got into a fist fight with a kid from a different church. So that didn't go very well for us. Uh, and then another student got really sick because on a dare, he drank an entire bottle of Tabasco sauce. Then that same student almost chopped his finger off preparing dinner one night, and we had to take him to the hospital to get stitches. And then that same student, yeah, this kid had a really bad week. This one kid, just poof, rough week. That same student was playing ultimate frisbee with everybody, and the frisbee went out in the street, and instead of paying attention and looking both ways, he, w he went out and got hit by a cyclist. Not a motorcyclist, a bicyclist. You know the dudes in spandex that are all over Wisconsin? This dude hits him and sends his student flying through the air, and he hits the pavement. And instead, this is the crazy part, instead of looking and stopping to see if the kid was okay, the dude just looked back and kept going. It was a hit and run, or a hit and pedal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but this, I mean, this, I am just like freaking out, like this week's not going good. My job is to bring these kids back alive. I'm not so sure it's going to happen at this point. I'm stressed. But that wasn't even the worst moment of the week for me. It was the end of the week. It was Friday morning. And to kind of celebrate the week, I wanted to take the students to Noah's Ark for the day, celebrate at the water park. And so we were going to do that. And, but the students had this brilliant idea to put all of the luggage in one van. And then they, all 10 of them, could fit in the van that I was driving them. And the other leader who was with us, she was pumped about that idea. She's like, absolutely, go, I'll drive the luggage van. And so, okay, we'll deal with it, it's fine. So it's me and 10 middle school students in the van. And uh, I was okay with it until I found out what those evil kids did. We stopped to get fuel before we went, and I have one rule, one of the major rules that I do when it comes to middle school events, I've always done this my whole life, is by, under any circumstances, they are never, ever allowed to have energy drinks. Uh, this is for my sanity and their safety because I'll kill them. 
And so we stop to get fuel, and they go into the store, and they find energy candy. Well, you know how middle school brain works sometimes. They said, well, Brandon didn't say anything about candy. He only said something about drinks. And so they buy all this candy, and they just eat it before I even know what they did. And I don't know if it was the placebo effect or what, but for the next two and a half hours, these middle schoolers are bouncing off the wall in the van, and I'm just driving like this. Breathe. And they're going crazy. We pull into the parking lot at Noah's Ark, and they're pumped, they're jazzed, and it's an exciting time. They're like, yeah, we're at Noah's Ark. And and we pull into the parking lot, and I noticed I pulled a little too close to the car beside us, and I knew they weren't going to pay attention. They were going to swing the door open. They were going to hit the car, dent it, insurance, all all that stuff's going to go down. And I'm just like, oh, this is going to go bad. So I say, stop. And they freeze. I'm like, just let me move the van really quick, give you some more space, and it'll be good. I'm like, okay, cool. And they start getting crazy again. So I go to cut the van really quick. I'm stressed. And I cut the van too sharply. And I hit the car that I was trying to protect. Big old dent in the car. And they're like, what'd you do? I'm like, I hit the car. And so I'm just fuming. And I, the, the, all of a sudden, the driver door opens up. And it's Suvok, who was the other leader. She was awesome. She's on staff here. She goes, Brandon, breathe. Because at this point, I'm like anger from inside out, ready to just explode. Like, like this is like... Th- I'm like that character. This is me. Like this, is, I'm about to go. Ah! And finally, Sue is just like, "Breathe. It's okay. It's okay. We'll take care of this." And finally, I calmed down. We had a great trip. We got the kids home. They all survived uh, with minimal injuries. Um, but. You know, I think back at that trip, and there's so many good things that happened that week. Lives were changed. But when I think about that week, the first things that pop up is all of those stressful moments. Because that's what stress can do to us. It makes us miss the good in life. And stress was taking that joy from me. And so I got stressed. I get stressed at work. I'm sure you guys get stressed at work. We all do. And so for fun, I looked up the most and least stressful jobs of 2015. And I found these lists very interesting. Let me just look at the most stressful jobs of 2015 really quick. A lot of these make sense to me. They're stressful. Firefighter, military, stressful jobs, airline pilot. Makes sense that it's stressful, but doesn't make you, it doesn't really make me feel safe to fly right now, but that's okay. Uh, it's stressful. Uh, this one, number eight, makes sense. Event coordinator. Uh, evidence is Andy Averill, director of family life, used to be an event coordinator. Now he doesn't have hair, so it makes sense to me. Stressful job. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the actor one, and if you're an actor, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I just I don't see why that's one of the most stressful jobs. But hey, there's stress to it. These make sense to me, stressful jobs. Now let's look at the least stressful jobs. And you look at these, okay, they're less stressful, but I don't think they're free from stress. Like librarian, you try dealing with the silence all day and the Dewey Decibel system and all that kind of crazy stuff. That's a lot of stuff to deal with. Or forklift operator. Look up Forklift fails on YouTube and tell me that's not stressful, okay? You'll really have fun. You'll get, like, lost in YouTube world, but just look it up. It's great times. Or number one, hairstylist. That's, that was rated the least stressful job in 2015. Mess up someone's hair and see how stressful it is then. And I think what I'm learning with these lists of stressful jobs, least, most, is it doesn't matter what you do. You could be, if you're a hairstylist, a firefighter, or any other job on this planet, stress is going to be a part of it. It's what happens. We have sales to reach, goals to achieve. We deal with overburdening bosses, difficult coworkers, annoying clients. It's stressful. And when it comes to stress, if it doesn't get handled properly, it causes a lot of problems, not just for us at work, but also for us at home and with our family and friends outside of work. 
Stress at work can lead us to come home, but not really be home. You know what I mean? Like we're not present. We're there, but we're not there. We're, we're numbing our minds with social media and Netflix and things like that. We're not present with our families. Stress can lead us to take our frustration out on our families. We can be short with them, lash out at them in anger, or maybe even goes beyond that. Stress can lead us to use coping mechanisms like alcohol or prescription medications. It leads to health factors like bad eating, eating habits and lack of sleep. Have you ever just laid awake at night dreading, stressing out about what's to come the next day at work? Actually, I just heard a commercial about this the other day, and uh, it, there's a pill for that now because there's a pill for everything. It leads to emotional decisions. It leads to us lashing out others, building disdain for our bosses and coworkers. It leads us to sometimes just quit what we're doing because the stress is too much. It has such a huge impact on our lives. And the question is, how do we manage this stress? How do we deal with this stress? How do we figure out how to work through this stress so that we don't come home angry? And that we don't have ill feelings towards our coworkers? That we actually find fulfillment in our jobs? That we actually can love our jobs? How do we handle stress so that we can do those things? Well, I think to handle that, we have to remember what God wants to do with us to begin with. We have to remember what his goal for us is to begin with. And Paul writes in uh, Romans 8, 28 through 29, he says this. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so God takes everything in this world, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he can work them for the good for his followers. And so God wants to take everything in your world, including your job situation, the stress of your job, the, the tasks, the projects, the bosses, the co-workers, the clients. He wants to take all those stressful things and use them for good in your life. He can take those and transform you by making them things good for you. Now, that doesn't mean that God is just going to take out your boss or force him to retire early. It doesn't mean God's going to cause one of your coworkers to transfer to Yemen or something like that. It's not about avoiding and getting rid of these stressful situations at your job. It's actually the opposite. God wants to keep them there because God wants to use those stressful situations and use them for good for you. He wants to use them to change you, to grow you. He wants you to grow you to the point where you're this, that you become like his son, like the verse says. This is God's goal for every one of his followers, to become like his son, Jesus. This is something we can't miss. And if you're a Christ follower in this room today, this is God's goal for you, to be transformed, to be like his son, Jesus, to live like him, to love like him, to act like him. To be like Jesus. And if you're not a Christ follower in this room today, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy your experience at Riverland today. And I just want you to know that if you didn't know this before, that is what a Christian is supposed to be. We're supposed to be transforming to becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, we don't always do this well. We mess up. We screw up. We sin. But when we trust and follow God, this is what he's doing. He's changing our lives to be more and more like Jesus Christ. He's taking our circumstances and he's using them for good to change us, to transform us. And so this is something we have to remember. That this is God's goal, to take our circumstances and use them to transform us. And when we get this, it will start changing how we understand and handle our stresses at work. 
Because here's the thing. When stresses come in our lives, whether it's at work or wherever, when stress hits you, our true character tends to come out. And so the question is, when that happens, is your character becoming more and more like Jesus or is it something different? And there are a couple of things I think we can put in the practice from Scripture that will help us to remember this and help us to become more and more like Jesus, which then will help us handle and manage the stress that we deal with at work. And the first is this. We need to remember who your boss is. Remember who your boss is. I think it's funny, this wasn't planned, but two weeks ago Andy mentioned this verse, Ben mentioned it last week, and here I am mentioning it again. But Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. At the end of the day, God is your ultimate boss. He is the one you ultimately answer to in this life. It's what we all do. Sure, we all have human bosses. We have good bosses. We have bad bosses. I have a boss. His name is Ben Davis, the lead pastor. He's a great, wonderful boss. He paid me to say that. Um, But Ben's awesome. Uh, But at the end of the day, Ben is not my ultimate boss. God is. And at the end of the day, my wife, Danielle, she is not my ultimate boss. But don't you dare tell her that. God is. God is who I follow. God is who I answer to. God is the one in charge, and God is the one who is my boss. So I need to remember that, and we need to remember that. That God, when we are working for God, he is our ultimate boss, so we need to remember that our boss is someone who can change things. So you think about it, bosses have power. Bosses are in control. Bosses can change and help through circumstances. And so we have to remember that 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety, all your stresses onto God because he cares for you. I think something that happens with a lot of us, and maybe you can relate to this, we get to our workplace and we're just dreading what's about to happen. So we get there, we get in the parking lot, we turn off Bob and Brian or whatever you listen to, you turn off the car, and before you get out to start your day, you just you do the, you know what I'm talking about. It's that breath that kind of just screams, here we go again. Another day of dealing with this project, another day dealing with my boss, another day dealing with that annoying coworker. Here we go. Just got to get through it, get through the day, get home, and that's it. We are so stressed that we just have to prep ourselves even to survive the day. But what if we did something different in that moment? What if trying to prepare ourselves just to survive the day, we try to thrive in the day by going to our boss? We're actually going and praying to God in that moment. And we just say, hey, God, you know, I don't thank you enough for this job, but thank you. You've blessed me to have a job where I can help provide for my family and serve other people. But God, I need some help right now because the stress of this thing is getting to me. I can't handle it. I'm not doing good. I need you to help me here. So help me to love those at my job who are difficult to love. Help me to have wisdom in my decisions and help me to become a good coworker for other people. How would things change and instead of just trying to deal with it on our own, we casted our stress onto God, say, boss, we need some help here. We need some help. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, a way we deal with stress is we remember who our boss is. 
And we remember that he is in control, that he has the power to change and transform us to help us deal with those stresses. And so when we do that, we actually pray and cast our anxieties and our stresses onto him. We start changing because we start allowing God into our lives even more. And we start living out love. We start living out joy and peace and patience. And we start living out this fruit, which is the evidence of us following Jesus to begin with. We start living in a way that doesn't seek approval from man, but it shows that we're living out of the approval that God has already given us through his son Jesus. So we need to remember who our boss is. And then we need to remember this. Remember who you work with. Remember who your boss is, but remember who you work with. There are two major uh, things of stress that we deal with when it comes to work. The task and the people. And most of the stress that comes at work usually comes from the people. Now, I'm not saying the task doesn't uh, bring stress into our lives. It definitely does. Projects, goals, all that kind of stuff, that can really bring stress on our lives. But here's the thing. We're usually pretty good at, at handling the tasks at work. We probably wouldn't be in that job if we weren't good at the tasks. Salesmen get sales. Architects design buildings, construction workers build the buildings, doctors heal, actors act, singers sing, athletes play, ninjas fight, whatever the the, the task may be, we usually are pretty good at getting the task done. But the stress comes when you add people into the mix. That's where a lot of our stress comes from, and that's why it's so important that we need to remember who we work with at our jobs. Because here's who we're working with. We're working with people who are stressed themselves. People who get mad and lash out in anger. People who are worried. People who are scared. People who are sad. People who uh, get lonely. They're the people who are also sitting in the parking lot taking that big deep breath just to deal, get through the day. That's who we're working with. People just like us. And God loves them just as much as he loves you. So we need to remember that the people we work with are people who need love and grace and forgiveness and Jesus just as much as you need that. And as God is making you more and more like Jesus, God wants you to love them like Jesus. Romans 12, 16 through 18 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Paul says here, kill your pride. Live in harmony with one another. Including the people at work because that's where stress comes from. Harmony means cooperation. It means that we get over ourselves and we work to find unity with those around us, especially at our jobs. It means we don't treat people differently because they have a different idea than us. It doesn't mean, it means we don't treat people differently because they have a different salary or different position than us. It doesn't mean we treat people differently because they're just different than us or because they cause stress in our lives. We don't, we don't treat them differently. We're supposed to live in harmony with them. We live at peace with them because here's the truth. Stress doesn't exist where there's harmony. Stress doesn't live where peace rules. Where there is peace, where there is harmony with one another, stress doesn't take place there. So we need to build relationships with those around us at work to love them like Jesus loves them. Because what if God is using you to show them Jesus. 
The more and more you become like Jesus, the more and more they will see Jesus. And every time I look at scripture, anytime Jesus came across someone, their lives were never the same because of it. Because of how he loved them, because of the way he cared for them. If he's making you like Jesus, people are going to see that. That's why it's so important to remember who we're working with. Because they need Jesus like you and I need him. We need others in our lives. We need relationships because we need community because it's vital. And I know there are people at work that are stressful, that are difficult to work with, and you dread dealing with them. They're bad workers. They talk uh, gossip about you and others. They cut other people down. They lash out in anger. Whatever it may be, I know there's difficult people to work with. That doesn't mean you shouldn't love them like Jesus loved them. God still wants you to. And so in order for you to build community and to build into the relationships at work, Something I want to encourage you to make sure you have is also have a community outside of work that builds into you and each other so that you can then love those at your workplace. In order for you to really invest in those at your work, we need to have people filling up our lives and investing in us so we can do that. That's why we think it's so important that every single person at River Glen is involved with a small group. Because in a small group, you gather with a group of people and together we become like Jesus together. And we care for one another. We build relationships with one another. We follow God together. We learn the truth that together we are better. A group helps you to grow in your faith. A group helps you to become more and more like Jesus. And that's going to help all areas of your life, including work. And so by show of hands really quick in this room, how many of you guys are in a small group? Cool, awesome, good job guys. Put them down. I don't want to talk to you for the next couple of minutes. You just uh, do your thing, look up packer information, whatever you want to do. I want to talk to everybody in this room who's not in a small group. I want to encourage you to think about the pray about this. I want to challenge you to join a small group, maybe for the first time. Try it for five weeks. Five weeks. Just over a month. I want to try it for five weeks because we have this series coming up called Finding Your Way Back to God. And it's an all-church series. We're encouraging everyone to do this together, to do this in our small groups. I want to encourage you to join a small group as we're going throughout this series together and to look at what it means, it looks like, to really have a relationship with God. So maybe you're far from God or maybe you're close to God. Whatever, wherever you may be, a small group would be perfect for you to dig deeper into what it means to have a relationship with God. So I want to encourage you to try it out for five weeks. And to see what this series is really all about, I want you to check out this preview real quick. Each of us spends our lives on a journey toward God. Yet often, our most deeply felt longings, they end up leading us away from, instead of moving us to our Creator and the person He made us to be. I just needed to yell out to God and say, will you help me? And I really screamed it. I was still a son. It was complete acceptance. And I feel like people who don't have God don't have that kind of hope. Through five personal and very promising awakenings, you can find your way back to God. I'm excited about what God's going to do in this series. And it starts in two weeks. So that gives you two weeks to find a group that will fit you and your schedule to help you dig deeper into this and to see how together we are better. And we want to help you find that group. So here's what I want to do. If you're here, you're not in a group, I want to invite you next Sunday to something we call Group Link. It's right after this 1030 service. We'll provide lunch. We'll provide child care, whatever you need. And in Group Link, you'll get to go around and meet different small group leaders. 
and find to see if there's a, there's a small group that will fit for you. And I promise you, we'll have a group that will fit your needs and where you're at in life. So in your program, there should be a little card that, about group link. You can just simply fill that out and put it in the offering bags a little later in service to sign up for group link. I want to challenge you to come there because we'll help you find a group that will fit for you. Because I think this, these five weeks of this series and beyond will be a huge transformation for you and your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. To try for five weeks and see how God does amazing things through it. So I want to challenge you to try a group for five weeks. And then to get ready for the, the, uh, the, the, the series, and this is everybody now, bring you back in if you're looking up Packer information. Uh, a couple of things I want to encourage you to do as you're leaving this room today. Tables, uh, there's the tables before you leave the main doors at the bottom here in the auditorium. Uh, on these tables are some books. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you guys to grab the Finding Your Way Back to God book. This is going to help take you deeper into what we're talking about each week throughout this series. And you can pick up one just for you and your spouse together, or you can pick up one for yourself. However you want to do that, pick up one of these, at least one of them, for your family before you leave. And then I want to encourage every person to get their own participant's guide. Because the participant's guide is going to help you uh, look at some personal questions and, and really help you dig into what we're all about in this series. And so pick up the participant's guide. It's going to help you in your small group and your own personal devotion time. So pick up one of these before you leave too. Here's the thing. The, the book costs $10 each. And the participant guide is $5 each. So uh, pick these up. Pay for them at the resource center. But here's the thing. If that's too much for you, that's not that's something you want to do. That's not something you want to invest in. That's fine. That's okay. Take them. Our gift to you. It means that much for us for you to have these resources that we're going through this series. And if it's, if it's, not much, if it's too much, that's fine. Take them as a, as a gift. Put it on Ben's tab. Uh, I told you he's a good boss. He'll pay for it all. Pick up these books. Pick up these resources and see. Dive into a group and see what it means to find your way back to God. Maybe for the first time or it's the next time, whatever it may be. Because here's what I know. God knows your circumstances in life. He knows your stresses at work. He sees what you have to go into each day. He's aware of it. God knows your circumstances. But I don't think God is so much worried about changing your circumstances as he is worried about changing you. I think God is more worried about changing you to become more and more like Jesus so that you can handle those stressful moments at work. The more we become like Jesus, the more we can handle the stress of our jobs in our lives. The more and more we become like Jesus, the more we remember who our boss is and who we work with. The more we become like Jesus, the more our lives change for the better. I want to go back to the first verse we looked at today for a moment as we're closing. This time focusing on the last part. Again, it says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Don't miss this. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus went first. The reason you and I can be saved and rescued and become transformed into Jesus' likeness is because he went first. He came to this world that was stressed and broken and far from God. And he came knowing his task was to die. And in the meantime, he built relationships with those around him, people who were broken and hurting and lonely and angry and scared and far from God. 
He loved them and built relationships with them. He built relationships with people who hated them, hated them so much that they wanted him dead. And you thought your boss hated you. In fact, in all of that, he chose to love all. So much that he laid down his life through dying on the cross for you and for me and for all people. And leading up to that moment, Jesus was stressed. Let's not kid ourselves. This wasn't some easy thing he did. In fact, he was so stressed, the Bible said that he was sweating blood before he was arrested to be crucified. And he was so stressed, he actually prayed to God, his father, his boss, and asked him, God, is there another way? Because I'd really like a different way than dealing with the way you're planning for me right now. But God told him no, because this was going to be for the good. So Jesus trusted. He followed And he died and sacrificed himself on the cross so that you and I can live. So the reason you and I can become like Jesus is because he went first. Because all throughout his life, Jesus showed that God was his boss, that he wasn't about the approval of man, but was about serving and loving and following God. He remembered who he was working with around him and loved them because they knew, he knew They needed him just like you and I needed him. This man changed the world and God wants to change you to become like him. When we become more like Jesus, our world's going to continue to change. Our workplaces will change. Our relationships there will change. And we'll start loving our job a little bit more because we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Church, that's how we manage stress. That's how we do work. And each week we remember that Jesus went first through communion. In this time, we take a moment to pause, to worship, to reflect that Jesus went first and he came, he died for me and you. And it's because of that that we can put our trust in him and be rescued. And so we invite all followers of Jesus to take this time, to take the bread, to take the juice, to remember and worship God in this time. And I'm going to encourage you during this time, take some time to pray, to ask for help with work. And to ask God to continue to transform you to become more and more like Jesus. Ask him to reveal areas of your life of where you haven't turned over that part of your life over to him so he can transform it. Ask him what those areas are so you can do that. Ask him to change your attitude towards work and towards your coworkers, whatever it may be. Help him. Pray to him that he will transform you to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for today and a chance to come together, to hang out, to talk, to catch up, to brave the cold to be here to sing and to trust more of who you are and what you want to do for us. God, we we work and we're stressed and we deal with difficult tasks and we deal with difficult people and God, we're not really good at handling on our own. It may lead us to do some things that we're not proud of But, God, you can help with that. God, we're trusting you as our boss to help change us to handle those situations better. Show us, teach us, transform us to become better coworkers, better bosses. Help us to become more like Jesus so other people see that. God, help us to love those around us in our workplaces like you love them. And help them to see Jesus in us. God, they need him just as much as we need you. 
So thank you for giving yourself to us. In your name we pray. Amen.